Welcome, friends, to the Girl Mom Podcast. This is Carrie Kampakis, your host. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest speaking on an entirely new subject. Through my work, I meet so many awesome boy moms who faithfully read along, even as a majority of my messages target girls and moms since that is my wheelhouse. And now, I'm excited about this new guest who offers a really helpful perspective for boy moms and their sons about what it looks like to live up your faith as a teenage boy. My special guest is Will Hudson, and he has a really cool testimony about coming to faith, not by getting it all right and being perfect, but after making some mistakes that eventually brought him to Jesus. Originally from Alpharetta, Georgia, Will is the oldest of four siblings, and he plays football at Sanford here in Birmingham. He's in his first year of grad school earning his MBA, and he has a deep love for the Lord and a desire to help other young men choose a path less taken. So I heard about Will through Mary Lauren, my partner here on the Girl Mom Podcast since last September, because Will and Mary Lauren recently started dating. They are adorable together, and I know that Will will bring a lot of wisdom to the table, just like Mary Lauren has. Mary Lauren is also sitting here with us today, and we're excited to listen as Will shares some of his story and very helpful advice for boys today. Will does not know this, but Mary Lauren and I have already decided that he has a future in boys' ministry, and we believe that conversations like this are only the start for what's ahead for him. While this episode is geared toward teenage boys, everyone can benefit from these truths, and our goal is to spark conversations in your family, with your son or your daughter, and also with your friends, your church leaders, or anyone else who's interested in helping this next generation thrive and choose a life-giving path in their teenage years and their 20s. Thanks for tuning in, and enjoy the show. So welcome, Will, to the Girl Mom Podcast. I know my listeners are going to be so excited to hear from you because it is so different and so needed what you have to say. So thank you for being brave and accepting this invitation <laughs> to come on the show. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's a, it's an honor for sure. So, Well, I, I got to know about you and your story. I probably know more about you than you even realize <laughs> <laughs> because Mary Lauren and I recently went to Mobile for an event. So mm-hmm. we had... I guess about almost 10 hours in the car. So we got to cover a lot of ground. She told me all about you and your story. And I was like, he just has a really neat testimony. Obviously, I know you're an awesome person mm-hmm. just from what she's told me and the fact that you two are dating. But um, let's just kind of start. Just tell me a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your faith journey, and what brought you to the to where you are right now. Yeah. Um, so growing up, uh, I think me and my family, we always, we did go to church. And I was blessed to to grow up in the church and but I think my my mistake early on was I pretty much associated God with church, and then when I left the church, God was no longer there, and I didn't really consider Him. And so, uh, for a long time, I kept God in in the structure of the church. And so, when I was fourteen, it was my freshman year of high school. We moved on spring break. We moved to Dusseldorf, Germany. And all of a sudden, it wasn't necessarily cool to follow God anymore. They didn't really do that. And uh, and then I realized very quickly that I didn't have a foundation of faith. It was instead I was just going to church, and I had a relationship with my church body as opposed to with my God. And uh, so then there was kind of a brief period, about five or six years, of uh, not really following the Lord. And then... Um, Praise the Lord in college. He he drew me to Samford University, and through through Samford, 
I met so many faithful people, so many people that love the Lord. And over time, the Lord just kind of stirred me and stirred me and made me so aware of the things that I was pursuing, the things that I wanted, the things that I did just did not fulfill me. And uh, they did not, you know, quench my thirst, right? And so uh, over time, I just kept looking for a new meaning, new purpose, whatever it was. And uh, eventually, the Lord was kind of like, hey, you know, moron, it's over here. <laughs> and and, uh, and I came to know the Lord uh in 2000 really and i knew the lord but i the lord revived my desire for him in 2020 so oh that's so good mm-hmm. and you know one thing i've been thinking about not just with your story but just in general is that that tension that we live with and i remember even being in college and feeling that tension like mm-hmm. sometimes you know you're like going out staying out all night and then i was meeting my parents at church the next morning absolutely but you know i think it's like somebody's described it as almost like you feel like you're living a double life and I feel like especially in college and as a young adult, there's that tension there. And, you know, a lot, a lot of times that's what brings us to God. And we see it as such a bad thing because it just it, it's like turmoil inside mm-hmm. of. But, you know, we really have to realize that when we do feel that tension, it's a good thing. That's right. Because if you don't feel that tension, that means, you know, that means God's working in you. If, you're, if you feel that tension, like I think I had, in one of my books, I said, if we could sin in peace, then we'd have no incentive to ever stop sinning. You that's know, exactly if it right. worked, if you always felt happy from a lifestyle that was not God-honoring, then you'd have no incentive to ever stop and come back. So I think that sometimes we feel ashamed of that tension or we don't want to admit it, but really that's like a step forward in our faith because mm-hmm. it's like, okay, if you want to live with this tension forever, you can, or if you want to have peace and finally figure out what it is that's pulling you in a different direction. That it, you know, we, know it, we know on the other side that it's God, yeah. but it takes all of us different ways and different journeys to get there. You're exactly right. I mean, I think especially off of what you said about like decisions you make or whatever, it took me a really long time to understand that, you know, past decisions and the things that I had done pre-Christ were not regrets, right? Because like the Lord can use all things actually, you know, for his good and for the good of us. And so for a long time, for me, it was like, here's my past and here's my current. And those two things have to be separate because these are mistakes. And now here I am, but it's like, no, I mean, all of these things, like, yeah, would it have been cool for me to not have done them? Sure. But now he's using them constantly over and over for the good of his name. And it's really that double life, that tension of like, here's this mountain I have to climb to be faithful to God. And it's like, no, I mean, the second that we call his name, that we ask him, that we admit we need him, it's like, boom, here he is right now. I shouldn't have clapped in the microphone, but. Oh, no, that's good. You're so right. But I mean, it, it really, and it's about living in the light of Christ mm-hmm. and just honesty and you know, the devil wants us to live in shame and condemnation and secrecy mm-hmm. and to feel guilt and just, you know, stay stuck in that place. And then, you know, there's this freedom in Christ. If we, when we do bring it to him, he can use it for good when we're generally remorseful and repentant. Mm-hmm. And I lo- I've learned that as a writer, too. I'm like, man, this is all material now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, any mistakes I've made or regrets or even as a parent, I'm like, you know, I, this is good for the stories that I, I teach my daughters, you know, like just avoid my mistakes. If mm-hmm. I can help you not make some of the mistakes that I did, they're going to make their own mistakes, but I don't want them to ever be ashamed of their humanity. Right. And, you know, just the work that I do with teenage girls that you just hear that it breaks my heart because this next generation, I mean, there's a standard of perfection. And I've often heard it said, you know, we can't, it's so unfair to give anybody the standard of perfection. And this happens a lot in Christian circles, but you don't offer the culture of restoration and you don't teach them, you know, you can't, you have to give examples of how to fail. You know, Ella had a teacher at the junior high, Niz was his name. And he told them, he's like, we can't give students high expectations and not give them examples of failure because that's not fair. That's not reality. And so I think that's where we fall short with our teenagers is, 
you know, this is what God is calling us to, but we're missing that mark. You know, to sin means to miss that mark, you know, set by Jesus, and we're missing it all the time. But if we had the humility to realize that and to see that, then that's what brings us to our knees and makes us realize how much we need them. Absolutely. One of the main people that the Lord used to kind of draw me to him was a a guy named Cole Shiflett, and he led me to, we started reading a book of the Bible together and going through it. And I remember thinking like my takeaways were like two sentences and his takeaways were like paragraphs and paragraphs. And he was like, man, he's quoting scripture, all these things. And I'll never forget the first time he sent me a voice message um, just basically saying like, hey man, just wanted to let you know, like I've really been struggling with so-and-so with this. And like, I really, I fell into this. And, and he was like, I shouldn't, I really wasn't the person that he did accountability with because I was just getting to know the Lord. But he used that to show me like, hey, like we still fail as Christians, you know, and my mind was blown. I was like, holy cow. That's so, so you're saying somebody further ahead on their journey, their faith journey came to you. That's so good to let you know that as a new, not a new believer, but yeah. But I had, I had built him up and I I put these Christians on this Mm -hmm. pedestal of like, I don't know if I'll be able to get there. Like I've done so much. I've done all these things. And he was like, dude, I'm going to be a pastor. And like, here I am struggling, you know? And I was like, oh my gosh. Um, so you're exactly right. The humility of that is yeah. huge. That's so good. And that, I thought about this too. I think this is something, you know, mom, boy moms are just like the girl moms. They're always looking for, what can I do to help my son? Yeah. But we have a mom in our community and she's got like four awesome boys. And somebody once told me that one thing she did with each son was each one had an accountability group. And mm. they would meet in their basement like every Monday before school. I mean, and they would share things with each other that they would not share with their parents or Absolutely. anybody else. But it was their accountability group, like basically like... Oh, this is where I messed up. This is what I did. And I just think that is so healthy. And especially for boys who don't normally open up to each other like that, or it's not considered cool or very manly to mm-hmm. do that um, in the world's eyes, that I just think that is so freeing for them and just prevent, it just presents a different way to live. That is 100% right. 100%. Okay, so we're going to get into the good stuff. You've got five <laughs> points. Like I said, Mary Lauren and I think you are going to have a whole future in this ministry <laughs> for, for boys because there's such a need. There's a lot of people doing what I do, but there's not so many people doing it for boys, especially younger people. So mm-hmm. I just appreciate your willingness to do this. But, you know, as a girl mom, you know, people are always telling me, oh, I'm so glad I don't have a daughter. You know, I'm so glad I have sons. And They feel like it's it's kind of like, you know, it's so much easier. But I'm like, it might seem easier, but I would have totally different worries with the son. Like, I think that there's a lot of things maybe you don't know to worry about that boys are struggling with. I just Mm -hmm. hear and see a lot in my work. But, you know, the culture from the beginning, um, and I can't remember who said this. I don't know if it's John Eldridge. He writes great books for young men. But Mm -hmm. he talks a lot about what it means to be like that true masculinity. But someone said that what the world is teaching boys, what it means to be a man, what they're saying that goes from the playground to the bedroom to the boardroom. So basically, like when kids are little, elementary school, the man is whoever's the best athlete on the playground. You know, he is the man. He dominates. And then when you're a teenager, the man is whoever's getting the sexual conquest in the bedroom. That is the man, whoever's mm-hmm. getting the most girls. And then as an adult, it's whoever is, you know, thriving as a CEO or doing well at work has the power. That's the man. Absolutely. So, you know, I think about from a mom's perspective, that's what we're working against. And then I've also had moms tell me that especially, you know, when a lot of times the mom has gotten really deep in her faith Mm. and she's trying to teach her son one thing. And yet the whole time the son's kind of looking out the corner of his eyes and watching his dad and he's modeling something completely opposite. So in a lot of ways, it's hard to find those role models for boys. I feel like girls have more examples, but um, let's talk a little bit just about the culture of what you know, what people think it means to be a man yeah. and then what it really does. Yeah, I think, I mean, you said it, I think a lot of times what gets celebrated and what gets glorified now is 
you know, the loudest voice in the room is the most important or like, you know, these hoorah kind of things where just being abrasive is all of a sudden confidence or is, is cool or something. And not that you can't be, you know, if that's your personality and you're a loud person, whatever you can, but I think so much of it is just this constant, the domineering person is the person who wins, right? And I, one of the points is, you know, is humility, but I think it's just the way that you you said, like, we glorify these different things. And I mean, literally, like in Proverbs 22, it's like a good name is to be desired so much more than riches and glory, whatever, and like favor more than those things. And what what are our desires? We're constantly just shuffling through different earthly things of, of what we seek and what we pursue. And uh, just just constantly over and over, whether, like you said, the playground, the, I mean, the bedroom and the boardroom. And it, it's disappointing how much we celebrate those things, like how, how much I can look back and think about how many times that me and my friends have been like, you did, you you got with who? You did that? Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. But then that double life, like, and then we Sunday morning, you know, we're in church. Like, man, God is so good. That is, God is so good. And it's right. like, I mean, yeah. he, you're right, but you're not living into those things that, that you talk about. So Yeah. You know, and something else I would think about as a mom, that if I, if I had a son, was you sometimes hear this, that, you know, you get older and you look back and you're just like, gosh, you know, wow, I didn't even realize how off I was there, that mm. mistake at the time, or, man, God really saved me there. That could have ended really bad. But one thing you often hear about is that, you know, say a boy is playing into that lifestyle, you're getting praised. I mean, if you don't know better, it's hard to know that there's a better way because that's what the world is teaching you through movies and your friends and everybody else. But what happens is a lot of people get older and they do come to Christ, you know, they're having to deal with that regret. And like, you know, especially they say sometimes it hits these men when they're grown men and they have a daughter and all of a sudden they're realizing how they saw women or they saw girls, you know, and now they have a daughter that's in that position. And so I was like, you know, if I had, if I had a son, I think those are the kind of things I would have those conversations. Just like, just think about this, because it's so countercultural, and you're not going to hear it anywhere in the world, maybe church, I don't know. But I think it's why it's so important for moms to be saying these things at home and dads to be saying these things at home and to be modeling it, because if we're not, if we're not teaching this to this generation, everything else is going to be countering, you know, saying the exact opposite. That is, I mean, so I have two younger sisters, and it it is crazy how much I could disassociate myself from that. Like, my sisters, I mean, anybody around them, all my friends, anything, like, I, I mean, I demand, like, you respect my sisters. Like, mm. that is non-negotiable. But these other girls that I'm interacting with are someone else's sister, you know? Right. And it's like, h- how quickly you can separate that. And it's this girl is not related to me, right, or whatever. So, like, it's different. I can, this girl, I'm going to pursue what I want, my selfish ambitions and desires, you know. Mm -hmm. But with my sisters, like, you guys are going to respect my sisters for sure. And why would I expect differently for them than I would for any other girl? Because, obviously, later on, it's like, well, those are also my sisters in Christ, right? And so, like, the treatment that they deserve, and praise the Lord that he blessed me with my sisters so that I could, I was like, oh, my gosh, what have I been doing? You know, because (laughs) it's like, how, how would I want other men to treat my sisters mm-hmm. and am I treating uh, somebody else's sister in that way and I mean I think that's an incredible way to to ask yourself that question like how how are you treating these girls you know I mean uh, that needs you're just oh you're gonna be doing ministry forever <laughs> with all this I mean I don't think boys just you don't think about these things until somebody admits it and that's mm-hmm. why you know we're gonna get to humility but that's why it matters so much but how God can use that and you mm-hmm. know I think about you know sometimes we just have to 
we have to, we're making these mistakes and we don't even realize it. And I, I think about St. Paul in the Bible where he was Saul before, but you know, he was killing Christians and yeah. doing all the terrible things, persecuting them. And then it's like only when the scales came off of his eyes did he realize how mistaken he was and how terrible those, those acts those murders were, but then he ended up becoming like, you know, the greatest evangelist after Jesus, of course, but just, yeah. you know, writing more than half the New Testament and evangelizing worldwide and how God used him. But like what makes his power, his writing so powerful is he's so humble. And so I think that's the key trait. I see that in a lot of ministry people that, you know, I mean, it's moms worry about their, you worry about your kids when they're off the rails regardless. But sometimes I'm like, who knows that he might be a pastor or she might be going to ministry. Like yeah. you never know. Like those are a lot of times the best people and they're so good at their job because they are humble because they're like, I have no room to judge anybody. I made those mistakes myself. There's no doubt. Paul is my, like, even for coming on this podcast, Paul <laughs> is my greatest encouragement because he's like, yeah, I didn't come and use fancy words, right? I came to you in fear and trembling so that nothing would be glorified except for the Lord. And I'm like, perfect. I can come in fear <laughs> and trembling, no doubt. I can do that easy peasy. I mean, yeah. and uh, the humility that he has of, like, you don't have to use fancy words or do anything else. Like, just, like, lift the name of Jesus up, right, and everything else. Like, he will... He'll do the rest, right? So. That's so true. And we did a Bible study, and one of my friends mentioned this, and I'm like, I never thought about it. But they were talking about how Paul lived as a fully forgiven man. Mm. How they're like, don't you think he like he ran into people like the family members of people he had killed? You know, like what do you wonder? Like his, you know, when those yeah. moments of regret, or like when he wished he could change the past. Like you know, he had those moments and things that like brought that past back into back in front of him Absolutely. but yet he kept you know running that race toward Jesus and kept doing what he was called to do in the new life that he was given in Jesus mm-hmm. so that gives hope to all of us mm-hmm. i love paul too okay so let's get started we're going to we've got the five points these mm-hmm. are just we had to just nail down five key points that we think every high school probably middle school too middle school high school and college boys should know sure um, yeah so point number 1 i think is especially with kind of where we are in like the southeast i know this like many people will listen to it but we live in like a, a kind of a culture of where christianity is very accepted and celebrated right as opposed to like you don't have to really like justify your christianity very often and so point number one is there is no magic switch which to me i interact with so many people and i hear so many guys who are easily yeah i'm a christian oh i believe in god blah blah i go to church yeah definitely but they don't necessarily live into what we're called to live into as christians and whether they say it or not, you know, what what their rationale is and their thought process is like, oh, I'll get serious about it after I graduate. I'll get serious about it after high school, after college, whatever it is. And, and you know, it's easy to be like, yeah, I'll get serious later on. I'll be more. But what you're really saying is like, I want to live into this sin right now and have some fun, right? And then later on, I'll get serious about my faith. And I think one of the greatest things that that my dad has ever taught me is like there is no such thing as one day you wake up and you flip this switch and now you're going to be super faithful and you're going to live into all these things and you're going to do what you're supposed to do, blah, blah, blah. Like you have to build habits and you have to start now. And this idea of like I don't want to do these things today, but tomorrow I will want to do them is not is not real. And I mean, even the, the whatever holds you back right now, like if you're in high school and you're like, man, I got SAT coming up, I got these AP classes, I got football, I got class, I got whatever. Those are those things holding you back are just going to morph and evolve into new things that are also difficult. And sometimes you have to overcome busyness or overcome whatever it, whatever it is and, and just start doing it and start doing things that are difficult or hard to do. And 
I don't know, I think the, the, that discipline of start building habits and, and being disciplined and prioritizing the Lord and prior, or anything, mm-hmm. like now, now is the right time. And this, there's a quote just about leadership, but it, I think it works for everything from Andy Stanley. And he's like, those who do it early, do it forever. And those who wait, never do it. And oh, it's like, that's so good. Yeah, I love that. If you're waiting, like you're going to be waiting your whole life. Like there's never going to be a time where you're like, oh, this is the perfect time to stop sinning and to follow Jesus. And to li-. No, like it's never going to come. Right. So. Oh, that's so good. You know, and you've raised a great point about spiritual discipline. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really what it boils down to is doing what you don't feel like doing. Mm-hmm. And that's something that um, like Harry does it so well. He's got so much spiritual discipline. But there's a book, I was telling Mary Lauren about it, that I love it's by Father Evan. He's a Greek Orthodox priest, and he he was just talking about like how to how to get closer to God. Everybody's always asking him, "How do I hear God better? How do I get closer to God?" But one thing he really emphasizes is those spiritual disciplines. Like you know, even when you don't feel like going to church, even when yeah. you don't feel like praying, all, like making yourself do it every day. But I thought it was so interesting that one point he made was that he said, you know, if a man comes to me and says that he's lusting after a woman that's not his wife, mm. he goes, "I don't tell him to stop lusting because." That's like telling him to go climb Mount Everest. He can't help it. Like he can't right. help. It's whether he acts on that emotion or that feeling. But he goes, "What I tell him to do is to increase his fasting routine, to get, because if you gain uh, discipline in one area of your life, it helps you be disciplined in other areas of your life too. Mm-hmm. So you play football. So it's the same thing, you know. And when you grow, which you know, if you've grown disciplined in doing your workouts and eating what you need to eat, you know, actually that's, you're kind of at an advantage even with, if you're taking this into your spiritual life, like just take these same skills into the spiritual world. Like right. what are some little things that I could do every day that get me on that track? And I know you and Mary Lorna just, I think you're about to finish the 21 days of prayer, yeah. but she was bragging on you how you picked her up every morning at five <laughs> o'clock in the morning, which is so sweet to take her to 21 days of prayer. But yeah. that's something, even the 21 days, that's hard to stick with it. You know, my daughter did 21 days of prayer and I was like, I don't know if she'll do it the whole time, but she did it every morning. Mm-hmm. But I think it's those little spiritual disciplines, especially at y'all's age, if y'all can, you know, get those set, then you're, it's just setting the foundation for a better life. Yeah. I think just even the mindset of like any like discomfort is not going to deter me from following you. Right. Or from whatever. I mean, cause there's always going to be, I mean, I keep hearing from all my, now my friends are starting to like get married and do all these other things. It's like really like grown up stuff. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, I mean, my, one of my friends just had a kid and, and it's like, man, the baby was up at whatever time, like you're not sleeping, blah, blah, blah. But like, they're still, they're still in the church at every, every Sunday morning and stuff like that, where you, you have to build these habits of like, th- these are non-negotiable things, right? Like spending time yes. in the word is non-negotiable. Like these, when, with my community, non-negotiable. And if you don't practice that, if you don't work on that, when you have the time and when you do have the freedom, it, like it's going to be really hard to develop those habits that you want in the time that you want to have them, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's so good. So if you had to give somebody that's like just starting out, like I want to start growing in my faith, mm-hmm. like what are three of those atomic habits, those little habits that you think that you would recommend just to kind of get started, that seems that makes it feel doable. And it might be do this one habit for a week, and mm-hmm. then the next week or next two weeks work on this other habit. What would you say helped you the most? Yeah, I think for me, number one, find a buddy. I, oh, good. Okay. Doing like if you look, and we were just talking about this. Uh, if just look through the entire New Testament post Jesus and find the person that did their faith journey alone. Like it doesn't exist. Even the people that were physically alone were like Paul was writing letters to other people and from jail and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. you have to find some version of a community. So I think finding a buddy for me was huge. And uh, that accountability is incredible. And then the other thing, 
in, just interacting with his word in general. Like to me, the Bible was like a massive, massive book that had tiny little words and weird. <laughs> and, and, and it was so daunting to me. Like, yes. what am I going to do? How am I going to read this? I don't get what he means. Yes. Um, and so my buddy was like, hey, let's just read through John together. And we'll read like, it, this was during COVID. It's like we read a chapter a day. I mean, whether you do a chapter a day, half a chapter a day, read through John. It talks about Jesus. You understand the character of Jesus. This is, if if anybody comes to me and says like, hey, like I want to do, I want to get more serious about my faith. The only thing that I do is point them to John. Like oh. that nothing else is like, let's go read John together. Good. Um, okay. I've read, yeah, we, we end up, yeah, we do a lot of John, basically. And you can read anything you want. But right. um, I think interacting with his word as often as possible and, and a buddy for sure is, is that's only two. That's I don't know okay. about it. Yeah. <laughs> I think, but, I mean, those are, those are two great ones, and I think that's very doable for anybody. Yeah. And it doesn't – I think the hard thing for me also was I felt like when I do things, I want to do them very, very well, mm-hmm. unfortunately, sometimes. I want to do them very well. And so for me, like starting off with reading, you know, 10 minutes or 15 minutes a day, I'm like, this isn't enough. This isn't – I got like, to get, like, real serious about this. But I don't think that, especially early on, like, you don't have to – I mean, 10 to 15 minutes a day is just interact with his word. Like, don't make it this thing where like, oh, I only have 10 minutes today, so I'm not going to do it. Like, that's just a lie from the devil. Like, like I'm not going to do it because I only have a little bit of time. Just do what you can. And then gradually, like the Lord will increase your desires for him too. And then you'll do more and more and more and more. That's awesome. You know, and something else I think that helped me, because I, I was like you. I went to church, grew up, but it was kind of a Sunday thing and mm-hmm. left it there. But, you know, just realizing, too, that you can pray anytime. Absolutely. And so that was, I used to always think that I, could, I would only pray at night, and then half the time I'd forget because I was too tired to yeah. pray. But Or then I'd pray when I was really stressed. But, like, now I pray all the time. And it might be, help me, God, help me, Jesus. Or I'm about to have a conversation with my daughter, and I'm like, this might not go well. And if I just say it the way I think I should say it, it's probably going to push her away. But I'm like, God... Give me the words, mm-hmm. like give me that wisdom. And he answers those prayers. But, you know, whether you're scared about a test or you're going into an interview or you have a big game but or you see somebody and you feel awkward and you but you want to go say hello, you just need those little moments of help. And I think as you get in the habit of doing that, you realize like God is in everything, yeah. just every little moment. Um, I remember one of my mentors at one time was telling me this, this similar thing of like, just pray anytime, just pray whatever, like pray, pray in the car. And I remember, this is so stupid. I was like, I can't close my eyes while I'm driving. Like, how am I going to pray in the car? Right. And he was like, keep your eyes open and pray. And I was like, no, it's not a real. And yeah, that, like, I don't want to make prayer, like, too casual. But, like, you can pray at any time, like you said. Mm-hmm. And so now I love, I pray in the car all the time, you know. But, like, I remember, like, how am I going to close my eyes while I'm driving? It was just. Right. I know. Yeah. I think because you grow up thinking prayers are done at night with right. your eyes closed in a dark room. Mm-hmm. but. You can talk to him anytime. Absolutely. That's Absolutely. so good. Okay, so let's get on to our point number two. What do you think is the second point, or second way for, for boys to grow closer to Christ? Yeah, I think one thing that we have to understand as young men is that like, humility is manly. Like, it, it, it can be manly. And so going back to what we talked about earlier is, you know, 
we get told so often now that the loudest voice in the room is the most important and this big, you know, these guys that come in here all gruff looking and everything. And I'm, it's almost like we hear this fairy tale too of like all of the, all the media we consume is this big, serious, unapproachable guy who does his own things. And then this, you know, sweet, pretty girl comes over here and like breaks him and cracks him. And then all of a sudden he's a sweet guy to her and like she saved him and that's so sweet. And like, no, I mean, we don't we don't have to create this image of like i'm so tough and i'm so unapproachable and all these things and i think what we what we know of humility what we're told of humility right now is is really just not the truth of what humility is and i think i mean for me like i heard it put this way and i can't remember where i heard it but um so whoever if you came up with this i'm sorry i don't remember who, who it was <laughs> but like humility <laughs> humility is like harnessed strength not the absence of strength and like just just because you can do something doesn't mean you have to always show it off and this that and the other like humility is knowing you're capable and having like a humble confidence about you that like yeah I I can do these things I am able to do these things but but harnessing it and only using it when it's actually for good you know yeah so. oh it's so good and we talked earlier about how you know Harry's Greek Orthodox and and honestly like when we started dating like that was one of the biggest traits that drew me to him like he was just humble mm-hmm. but like what I saw in him and like guys like him like my brothers like this too it's just humble it's like a, a quiet strength like you Absolutely. know you just and I'd, I'd been out with enough guys I'm like oh my gosh he just brags on himself all the time <laughs> he's just full of himself yeah and you know nobody likes that it's such a turnoff like that's what you know it's it's if it's going to attract better people into your life too when you're humble because you don't my dad would always say this too like if you're good enough you don't have to brag on yourself because somebody else will brag for you, you absolutely know? he was a great athlete so he and that's what I mean I, he lived it out I mean he he still had records at Alabama for basketball until years ago but but I mean, he was like, everybody always, always talk about what a great athlete he was, but he never talked about it. He's like, when I stopped playing sports, I left it in the past. He played wow. pro baseball for a while, but he was just our dad and he was a family man and a businessman. And the only time he talked about his sports was when we needed a life lesson or we, you know, something had happened. He's like that, you know, I, I relate to that. This happened when I played ball, mm-hmm. but it was always in relation to something that was happening. But it was like in the, not that he didn't love it. I mean, he loved his glory days, but it was in the past, but it was just that humility of knowing that. First of all, every talent you have that we have comes from God. We could wake up tomorrow without it. You know, He gives it to us. We can use it to, to impress people or to try to bless people. Like, how are we going to use those talents um, and just being humble? But we talked earlier how it is a constant process because, there you know, no I think sometimes we go from, we swing, you know, we go from being totally insecure to being too, too full of ourselves. And so, and even sometimes I can feel like if I'm getting big headed about something, I'm like, God will let something happen that just humbles me. <laughs> I'm just, I have to just thank him. Like, you yeah. know, that's a grace from you that you're reminding me to be humble. Here. There's no doubt. Yeah. I mean, I think about like in, in, in Luke 14, when he says like, those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. And like we, a lot, especially guys, like, I feel like we're so wired to, we want to have influence. We want to be able to be in control or in power and all these things. But and so you think that the way to get that is to just try to like, you know, sprint to the top. And like that story is from like a dinner, a banquet dinner party. And he's like, if you sit at the place of honor and then somebody more distinguished than you comes, then the host will have to be like, hey, sorry, you got to move seats. And that's embarrassing. And so now you're embarrassed. And um, I think like I heard it put this way where it's like sit like sit at the lowest place or put yourself in the lowest position until the Lord makes it impossible to do so anymore to where like you have to have influence now because of how humble you are being and like how much you are worth whatever like you need to be speaking to people 
and it's like if you if you take the place of humility and the place at the end of the table so often that eventually like it's actually not not even right for you to be there like now you got to move up you got to come up here you know right and and in that way like that makes like the lord can use that you yes know? yeah so. and you know and like I said, a lot of these Greek Orthodox books that we read, it's the church fathers, but it's interesting how they talk so much about humility, mm-hmm. much more so than you see in modern, even Christian books. It's just not talked about as much, but they talk about it all the time. And, you know, they basically are like, you can't receive God's grace without humility, because this is a good conversation here too. We know the opposite of humility is pride. Yeah. And, you know, that's the biggest sin of all. And that's what we are constantly fighting. Mm-hmm. And I've always found it interesting that I've always heard this with men and women in general, but also with boys and girls ministry, that they say that typically the biggest struggle for females is insecurity Mm -hmm. and the biggest struggle for males is pride. And I think of my boy mom friends, even when their sons were younger, they're like, it's hard because it's all about domination. We're going to dominate y'all tonight. Who's going to win? And it is, you know, just a very prideful culture. And it's it's hard to, to, you know, Teach somebody to tell them that I promise humility is the way because it does not feel like that when, like a, like you said, the loudest person in the room is getting all the attention. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you look at who, what is the perfect model, right? Jesus literally, with all the things that he did, he was like, I can do nothing apart from the Father. Like, I can do nothing. And I'm like, you're like physically healing people and like turning water into wine and all these mm-hmm. things. And then I'm over here and like one person starts reading their Bible because of a conversation with me. And I'm like, I am the man. Like I am insane. <laughs> right. And then immediately, you know, I fall flat on my face because I try to take credit for what the Lord is doing through me. You know, and mm-hmm. I mean, if if Jesus didn't take credit for what he was doing, right, and said like, I can literally do nothing apart from the Father, like who are, who are we to who are we to take credit for anything that happens with yeah. us? And it's so good. It makes me think of, too, the, um, you know, when the disciples were all fighting over who's the greatest disciple mm-hmm. and what was Jesus' response, he got down and washed their feet, you know, just yeah. like, you know, speaking through actions. Mm-hmm. Uh, Absolutely. Yes, I'm glad you put humility on there. I think that's such an important thing, especially in the world um, for boys, too. They probably don't hear a lot about, so mm-hmm. that's so important. Okay, mm-hmm. what's your third point? The third one is that I think we all have idols, and I think that we, we need to, we need to find them. That's the point. Is you all have idols, we need to find them. But I don't think that we always, especially as young men, understand what idols are and acknowledge their presence in our lives at all. At least in my experience, where like I used to think of an idol as this uh, something metal that I bow down to that was like made in place of God. But the way that they have evolved, I mean, any anything in our life that takes away from our love of God, like could be an idol or and and it can be good things. I read this book recently called Gospel Treason. Um, and he started the book, it's a pastor, and he started the book by saying, you know, my marriage was failing because my wife was an idol. Mm, that's and I so good. Like, what are you talking about? Your wife would like, and he was like, no, I literally like wanted to please her more than God. And even oh, in the covenant of marriage, that's good. your wife can be an idol. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I have a thousand idols. If like someone's wife can be an idol, yeah. like holy cow. Um, but yeah, so like what, what do we place above, above Christ? And not, not even outwardly saying like, I care about this more than I care about Christ, but what takes away from our walk with the Lord? What would we, I mean, we were just talking about like reading your Bible and people will say, I don't have time to read my Bible, but how many hours a day do you spend on Instagram or TikTok or Twitter? Right. And it's like, (laughs) Yeah. Do you really not have time or do you just choose other social media things or other social things to do instead? Um, which I think is very pervasive 
Yeah, I mean, I, I would say social media is probably a big idol. There's no doubt. Know, especially because there's all that research that shows that we get that dopamine hit. Like if a post does well, it's the same dopamine hit you get from like drugs or alcohol. Yeah. It's that same reward system in mm-hmm. your brain that gets triggered. That's so good. And, I, and it's interesting to think that like in different seasons of life, your, your idols will change. Like I know with girls, typically, you know, the friends often become a, an idol or a boy becomes an idol. Yeah. And so they, they've centered their world around the boy. And then he's human and he can't live up to the expectations or he breaks up with her or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, especially when moms have heartaches in their girls' relationships, their friendships, I'm like, I know it's so hard to see them go through that lonely season. But sometimes, you know, God allows these things to happen to take these idols off the pedestal. Mm-hmm. And we, it's really only when our idols get let us down that we, it brings us to Jesus. And you realize, like, he is the only thing that we can put our confidence in because everything else is going to change. And when you look at people who are truly humble and confident and just can go with the flow of circumstances, I mean, usually it's because they have God on the pedestal and they right. can handle the different fluctuations in their life. Like, okay, I'm disappointed I didn't make the team, but I'm okay, I'm still standing. Or mm-hmm. I'm, I'm disappointed my, my friends are doing this to me, but I'm still standing. So, you know, it's, it's, it's helping our children live better too when we teach them to identify those idols. Because otherwise, if your friends are an idol, you're going to do, do whatever it takes to stay in their good graces or to please them, even if it's not rational. Yeah. And you see that happening a lot of times. Well, I think it's, you, have to tell, you have to make sure that people understand, like, if you acknowledge, if we believe in God, if you acknowledge that God exists, you also believe that like we were created by a holy God and we are wired to worship and to follow him and to seek his approval. And so if you stop worshiping God or you don't worship God, you don't stop worshiping because that's how you're wired. Right. And and so it's like, so what are you worshiping if you're not going to worship God? What are you following? What what Who do you seek approval from if not from God? And it's something in the earth. Mm. It's definitely something. And um, the, I heard it, I heard it described this way, and it really blew my mind. Where it's like if we got like dropped in the ocean, basically, and we couldn't breathe, and you like somebody sent you like a breathing something to help you, like a water. What is that called? A tube, like the, an oxygen tank. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and like somebody sent you like a breathing apparatus to help you breathe, mm-hmm. and you breathe through it, you breathe through it, and then like eventually you overuse it and it like rips a hole, and then you can't breathe through it anymore. You toss it, and then you grab another one, a breathing apparatus, and you breathe through it, breathe through it, and it allows you to breathe for some time, and then it rips, and then you find another one. And it's like, and so, so it is with idols where like some of these things are good. Some of these things are enjoyable. They do give oxygen for some time. Mm-hmm. Being popular, it is fulfilling for a little bit. Like having good friends or whatever, it all works for a little bit, but inevitably it can't sustain you, right? Because it's not the living water that Jesus offers us. And so a hole gets ripped in it, and then we can't use it anymore. And so we just keep cycling through these idols until finally it's like, well, I'm out of things to breathe through. <laughs> and then you like look up and oh, oxygen's at the top of the water. You swim <laughs> to the top and you breathe, you know, living, living oxygen. And so That's so good. Yeah. I love that. And, and you're so right. And I think especially you learn that when you're young and then you get to be my age too, that you realize that, um, that sometimes you have to let the, those idols have to let you down. You have to try everything but God to realize that like, yeah. he's the only thing that's going to satisfy you. Absolutely. But most of us have to learn that the hard way. Unfortunately, right? Unfortunately. Unfortunately. So what would you say is your fourth point for boys? Yeah, we we have to we have to understand that that our girls are sisters in Christ. Um and this is obviously I'm sure everyone's going to be, oh yeah, obviously, but I mean, I think that it's easy to say that and it's much harder to to live that where if you're just not being rude to girls, 
that doesn't mean that you're treating them like sisters in Christ. There's so much more to treating girls than just like being nice to somebody. Um, I think back, especially when I was in high school, of conversations that I had with girls and the way that I communicated and what I communicated to them through my actions and my words combined, you know? It's so much more than just saying like, oh, hey, like, you know, you look you look nice today. And I'd be like, well, I was being nice. But I was also, like, making a comment on their physical appearance and, like, saying something. And I'm not saying that all those comments are bad, but, right. we, you know, you have to understand what are you communicating more than just your actual words and what is being received by what you're saying, too. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's so good. I mean, I, I love that. And I think girls, too, the same thing, seeing boys as your brother in Christ. And, mm-hmm. you know, girls have their own issues. A lot of times they try to manipulate and, you know, my friends and I talk about this, like, you know, females, and I think this is why boy moms are so, they pray so much for their future daughter-in-law because <laughs> they know how much influence she's going to have. I'm like, you know, you could marry somebody and totally influence where you spend every holiday and the boy has no idea what's happened. You know, like, and you see a lot of times that they have, or a girl kind of separates a guy from his family or whatever, that they have, you know, not treated them like a brother in Christ, yeah. that they're looking out for themselves and their selfish interest and, uh, I think about that too. If I had a son, I'd be talking a lot about just how girls can kind of twist things and manipulate things just as much as a boy can too. Mm-hmm. And just you don't even realize what's happened to you. And so you really do have to have that heart of like it's a sister or brother in Christ. And um, it was I think it was Pope John Paul II that said that you know the opposite of love isn't hate; it's using people. Mm. And I think that's what we see so much of just with boy girl relationships and just the hookup culture. It's just on both sides sometimes it's just using people. And then it's just going to lead to dead end roads. It's never fulfilling, you know. And that's what you just want to tell everybody that God doesn't give us these guidelines and these, you know, the commandments and these this this way to do life. It's not because He's trying to suck the fun out of life, you right. know. Like He really does know better. Like this is the way that's going to lead you to happiness and joy and peace and all the things you want. But you know, sometimes people learn the hard way because again, you're not getting that message from the world of, of how to treat a boy or a girl no. as a brother or sister in Christ. Yeah, I mean, I think so much of my interactions and relationships with girls was transactional. And, like, that could be anything. That could be physical. That could be, you know, just in communicating, emotional, whatever it is, where I was the center of the relationship in my own mind, you know. And I I think you think about it a lot, especially, I mean, recently even just, like, dating Mary Lauren. I mean, if she starts... If she it starts as my sister in Christ, then like no matter what happens with this relationship, like you want to leave her better than you know you found her, and like yes. you want to be able to let's say it doesn't work out, and it's you want to be able to like look them in the face and be like that stinks, but like we're better, you know we're better for it, and because you are my sister in Christ still even right. after this, and that concept of like you want you want to like serve these girls and you want to treat them like a sister i mean i keep saying it over and over but like i mean that whole idea just turns it so much from thinking about myself and like what do you what do i want or what do i desire whatever to you know you want to actually work towards something better and something better for them as well yeah Yeah. you know we always talk about this and i've talked about this in one of my books too that you know there are just so many reasons just keeping your relationships innocent which you know Mm -hmm. everybody like a lot a lot of people make mistakes and so i'm not shaming anybody that's been there but just why does God, you know, call us to live this way? But mm-hmm. it does because, you know, we have, um, you know, I know somebody that she dated somebody in high school and it was very innocent. And so, you know, they still hang out together as families. They're still friends. Mm-hmm. And then he dated somebody else. You know, they all went to school together and it was not as innocent. They dated for two years and it was a hard breakup. They all have kids the same age. And like, 
the one who had the innocent relationship, like I said, they can still hang out, like as families, their kids are friends. The one that it was heavier and more treated more like a marriage, even though they were dating, it's awkward. Like even yeah. now, 30 years later, they can't just go hang out as a family. And so it, it just got, does go back to treating them like a brother or sister in Christ. And and knowing that, um, you know, Father Father Bob Sullivan, he once, he once told me, he's like, you know, I think he would tell the students at John Carroll, he says, love says I can wait. Mm. Lust says I have to have it now. Absolutely. And so that's hard. And again, that's when you're going to feel that inner tension. Okay, are you going to do what your flesh wants to do? Or are you going to do what God is calling you to do through the Holy Spirit inside you? Yeah. But that tension is good. And I think it's those, those moments of choice when we decide, okay, which way am I going to go? It kind of decides which path you're on. Yeah, I mean, and I think it also it goes back to what we, we celebrate those things, right? We celebrate those physical interactions, and we celebrate hooking up with people, and we celebrate those things. And then if, if we as guys celebrate it, then girls see it, and then girls almost, like, become, like, self-promoters and self-marketers. Like, look at me. Like, I'm I'm yes. worthy, too. I'm good, too. Yes. And it's like, well, we're, we're just communicating such the wrong the wrong things to, to girls yeah. as, as guys. Well, you know, what's so sad, too, I talked to a lot of people who are my age and single, and mm-hmm. the whole thing with sending pictures and all of that, like, it happens at my age. <laughs> and so I'm like, why would, ooh, why would anybody do that? Like, I would never send a picture, you know, but I'm thinking yeah. it must be because they think that's what it takes to get a man or to keep a man or to keep them interested to do that. And it's just like, no, that's not the, if that's what the person wants, that's not going to be a good relationship. That's not somebody you need in your life. But I just think there is that mentality and it's just, it's working both ways. And it just, it breaks my heart because you know, there's going to be a lot of regret on both ends, but. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. The fifth point, what do you think is the fifth point young men should know? Um, I think that we have to, we have to understand that following Christ is going to look different. And, and that's okay, right? I mean, we're called, you know, to be in the earth, but not of the earth. And so if you're pursuing Jesus and, and he is calling you to different things and you come to know him better, you're going to realize that a lot of the ways of the world are not necessarily what we're called to. And that might mean that in a, in a really formative time in your life when society and, and being popular and being cool is so important to you, that you might have to miss out on some things. And you might even communicate like, I'm not interested in this thing that you guys are doing. And I think that a lot of times people see it as as like a negative. Like there's so many rules to Christianity. It's so hard. I, I, that's why I'll do it later to go back to the switch, right? But I think what you have to understand is that like following Jesus is so much more fun. It's so much better than all the other things that you're going right going through right now that like you're fighting with. Because um, all these things of the earth, they just don't satisfy. And a lot of people will have to learn that for themselves. I hope not everybody has to learn it for themselves. But like following Jesus is going to look different, and that is for God's glory that is happening. And like that is so good and so exciting. Um, if somebody, like if somebody were to consider you like, oh, you're, he's the Christian. It, let's let's go have a party and let's go drink or whatever. Let's go like, try to hook up with somebody. And it's like, well, we can't invite so and so because he wouldn't be into that. Like. That's incredible. That's yeah. not a negative. That's not right. bad. And like even Paul writes, I can't remember where he says it, but he's like, how you should consider us like as servants of Christ. Like that's how you should consider us. That's how you should view us. And I think there's so much glory in that that we've gotten so twisted by, by the world, right? That that's not cool. But that is awesome. I mean, yes. that is so cool. Yeah. You know, and I think this is a great point here to think about. Is like 
you know, making these different choices, especially if you're in one world and you're trying to get into a better, you know, if you're mm-hmm. not following Christ and you're trying to get into that world of following Christ, then you might lose friends. And, you know, I know even people who have gone to like rehab that, you know, one thing that they tell them, if you've gone to rehab and you have an addiction, like you got to get new friends because mm-hmm. if they go to rehab and get clean, but then they go right back to their old friend group, they're just going to fall back into it. Yeah. And I have a friend whose who brother, the same thing, you know, that happened to him and he tried to make new friends and he couldn't. And so he went back to the old friends and it started all over again. And so, um, but it also reminded me too, that I have another friend that she said that when they were in their late twenties, that she, her husband, he just decided to quit drinking. She's like, he did, he didn't drink every day, but when they went out, it was just like a lot. Mm-hmm. And it was starting to come in t- between them and their marriage. They had a baby and she was like, basically, uh, uh-uh, I'm not putting up with this. <laughs> and so, you know, he did it. He has not had a drink since then. And wow. so it's really impressive. But she was like, you know, we lost some friends because of it. And he wasn't as fun when we went out at night, you know, yeah. but because, you know, he, he wanted to go home early and, and all of that. But, um, but what she said is interesting with us being the age that we are now, a lot of those same friends have had alcohol issues or they've fallen into addiction. And a lot of them have circled back around wow. and are now coming to him because of that choice he made. But it took, you know, took them 20 years later mm-hmm. to get there. Yeah, I think about, I mean, some sometimes it's easy for us to, if we had like a full stronghold, if we're holding on to our life like fully, it's really easy to kind of halfway open your hands on your life, but it's a little bit harder to fully open your hands and submit all of your life to God. And I think that sometimes it's easy to be like, I love, yeah, like I love God. I want to, I want to pursue him, but I still want to do these four things, you know, or like these (laughs) two things. And, and the fact is that it's so much better when you submit your whole life to him, your whole life to God. And yeah, you might lose some friends, but I think what's cool, even in my life, I have lost some casual friends or some, maybe some real friends, but I have gained, praise God influence in people's life and like people come to me and ask me real genuine questions now mm-hmm. as opposed to just saying hey how's it going blah, blah, blah. because they see that you know praise the lord my life has changed and has become more intentional and for him and so um what you might lose in a casual friendship you will gain in a kingdom influence that is so so much better so yeah much better. I, I cannot agree more and also in friendships that are real and the type of friendships that are going to last too mm-hmm. that um you know and a mom friend described it to me one time i, I traveled to different communities and I always ask them, like, what's the biggest issue you see in your community? And she said, you know, what I see here is that a, a lot of families are living in a state of preservation. Yeah. Like, they just don't want anything to change. And so the friend groups are starting to shift, like always happens. So they're getting tickets and planning trips and all these things to kind of force that group to stay together. Mm-hmm. And it basically not trusting God's plan for everyone, yeah. which we all do in some form in our life. But, you know, we were just talking about how, like, you know, that's our human instinct is we don't want anything to change. We're so scared of change. We're so scared to lose those friends. And Mm -hmm. it feels like all this loss. But if you can just give up that that idea of trying to preserve what used to be and just open yourself, like, with open hands to Christ, there's, like, freedom on the other side. And that's where the best stuff happens. And He surprises you in the best of ways. And, you know, He brings you influence or new friends or, like, this is even better than I expected. But I was willing to risk all of that to have this. Absolutely. I think one of the one of the other lies that, that I told myself all the time that like you're saying submission is it does bring freedom. You know, so it's so easy to be like, well, submitting means now I have a boss or now someone's bossing me around. Like, no, like submission means freedom. I no longer have to pay for what I've done, the, the things that happened, my thoughts, whatever. Like, I don't have to pay for that anymore. Like submission is so much better. It is freedom. And um like, you know, following the Lord 
following the Lord is an all-day activity. It's <laughs> something that I had to learn, too, where, you know, like, it should be in all areas of your life. And uh, and over time, you people will notice that. People will see that. And like you said, like, then you will evolve and grow and move and be in different circles and stuff, and, and your influence will grow, too, which is incredible. Yeah. And, you know, and I think about just the age. I mean, y'all are the digital age. You're growing up in the digital age and how... I mean, I think it's even more important than ever before to know how to tune into God's voice mm-hmm. and how to submit to Him and like be like, okay, I might be displeasing this person over here, but if I'm pleasing God, I've just got to trust that He's going to use it. Mm-hmm. That, but you know, teenagers and young men and young women, they have like ten thousand voices a day, and this is what we're competing against as parents: is that so many voices competing for your attention? Like, no wonder people are so confused because you're like, who am I supposed to listen to? Yeah. And it's really, it, there's so much comfort and peace in being like, sometimes when I feel like my head is spinning, I'm like, I don't know who to believe, who to listen to, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, let me just get quiet with God and you yeah. speak to me. Like, yeah. yours is the only voice that really matters. Like, you're going to cut mm-hmm. through the clutter. You know, you're the, a God of order and peace and not disorder and confusion. Mm-hmm. And if we can just remember that. That's such an incentive to want to submit to him and be like, okay, this is the only voice that I really have to listen to right. of all the noise. And I think the, the the greatest part about that too is if you align your interests with God, then like it will become so clear to you. You know, like if you want to please God or if you want to glorify God, He also exists for His glory, right? He also mm-hmm. wants to glorify His name. And so, like when you're when you're doing those things and you submit to the Lord, like. He's going to be like, if you really want to glorify me, like, I'm going to honor that. Because, like, you got saved to make my mighty power known, right? Like Psalm 106, 8. And it's like, yeah, let's do it. Like, here you go. It's, <laughs> it's going to become clearer if you're desiring the same things that the Lord yeah. is desiring. Yeah. And I even think that as a mom when I'm praying for my girls. And I'm like, when I'm praying something good for them that God wants, he yeah. hears those prayers. Like, his heart, when my heart is aligned to his, like, he answers those prayers somehow. You know, like, he hears those prayers when, we're, when our will is truly aligned to his. Absolutely. So uh, this has been so good. I know people are going to want you back on. And like I said, I can't wait to see what God continues to do through you. But I just think this is so important. I hope you keep doing exactly what you're doing. And I know that you're, aren't you the chaplain for the football team? Is that right? (laughs) It's not my official title, but uh, I'm, I'm very honored that I get to be a part of the team and and lead some of those guys to Christ. Well, you're doing amazing. So keep (laughs) it up. Um, Is there anything that you're, you'd want a, a final word for, Maybe a, a young man or boy who's listening that they're having that tension. They're kind of yeah. like where you were for several years, like mm-hmm. wanting to follow Christ, but just not quite there yet. What yeah. would you say to them? I think, um, goodness, I wish that I could meet them in person, right, and know their story too. But I think the greatest thing that that anyone could ever say is that just I've tried it. I've tried a lot of things, <laughs> right, and and following Christ is worth it, and it is a hundred percent worth it. And like, there is no better satisfaction than or no better whatever feeling than being and actually knowing the Lord and understanding what he has done for you and what he has done for me. And, um, so if there's any final word, he is worth it. I promise you he is worth it. Well, thank you so much for your voice and your Mm -hmm. influence. This next generation needs it. And um, I hope you will join us again. Well, thank you so much. I'm very honored that I got to come on here. I loved it. I was looking forward to this all week. (laughs) Thank you, Will. Thank you. Friends, thank you so much for tuning in today. I'm so grateful to have you here. And if you enjoyed the show, please follow the Girl Mom Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen and leave a ratings or review so others can find these messages too. Also, my new book for moms called More Than a Mom, How Prioritizing Your Wellness Helps You and Your Family Thrive 
is now available everywhere books are sold. This book is for girl moms and boy moms and full of encouragement no matter what season of parenting you're in. Find the link to this book and my other books in the show notes. Thanks again for your support and have a great day.